Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Normally, each week we'll vent about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we end with something hopeful. This week we are skipping We See You to give the time needed to our topic, racism and violence against Asian Americans. A reminder, if you are enjoying us, to recommend us to your friends, your colleagues, your family, whoever, to subscribe and like and follow on the social medias and and all of the things. And uh, one review that that we have that we're fans of uh, (laughs) is entitled Enjoyable Listen uh, by Rez0202. Rez says... Although I differ in opinion on some of, not all, the topics they discuss, I love listening to these two intelligent ladies discuss Ooh. politics because they approach each topic with a lot of research and they're respectful to all opinions, <laughs> even those that are different than their own, which I find refreshing. They've even opened my eyes to different things going on in the political world and even changed my perspective for the better. Keep up the awesome work. <laughs> Love Thank to hear you. it. Love to hear it. Sometimes I worry, like, are we being respectful to all opinions? So it's nice, nice feedback. Yes. So really... I'm not like respectful of like blatant racism and stuff, but you know. Yeah. Not all opinions, but like, I'd like to think that we're generally trying to bring people in as opposed to like yeah. dropkick people out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in keeping with the Women's History Month um, shout outs, um, we wanted to shout out um, Body Count, a history podcast that explores death and disaster through the ages. Um, they say our only rule when we choose a topic, someone or a lot of someone's dies. Um host and lazy historian Jessica Manor takes her co-host verbally hostage uh, once a week to cover topics ranging from Genghis Khan to Mount St. Helens. Um, And please check all highbrow academia at the door and buckle up for a wacky adventure through the annals of history. Um, So, yeah. And uh, every, every uh, week they post things that seem fascinating and uh, worth the deep dive and, maybe if I'd listened earlier, we would, I would, I would have had more info. I'm not sure. I wonder if they tackled at any point, the Asian American violence, history of Asian American violence. I think there's, there's a lot of violence in, there's a lot of violence that's uh, unexplored in history. And Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's fascinating to me kind of what has stuck in, um, I don't know, like the cultural consciousness in terms of violent Mm -hmm. moments and what what has certainly like gone by the wayside and no one knows about. So anyway, body count, check them out. Check them out. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So before we get into the topic, um, there was another mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Ten uh, grocery store, 10 people died. Um, The we don't know much about the, um, you know, motive. But we do know that gun violence is a an epidemic in this country. It is a public health crisis, and you know, as things started to reopen more, it, there was definitely a fear that I had that probably a lot of people had that the gun, the shootings are going to start again. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very American 
five and here we are, they've started again. Um, and now that fear is back in the forefront of, of our minds. I think when we're going out and about in the world, um, I mean, I'm still not really going out and about too much, mm-hmm. but it's, um, I mean, how, how often is this going to happen? What is it going to take? How many conversations have we had about these things? Um, I really don't know what it's going to take for real, real change. I'm hoping with, um, you know, us having the majority now and with Biden as president and the majority that maybe we can actually get some, some more um, gun legislation passed because that would, that would help things. Um, we are a very unique country with this mm-hmm. issue. And it's, I mean, every time 10 people dying is hundreds of, if not thousands of other people's lives that are affected and changed forever. The people in the store, the, the trauma that, that they're, they've gone through, mm-hmm. um, each one of these, it, it, even though they become commonplace, they're tragedies and um, should be treated as such. And we shouldn't be desensitized to them. No, it's lives ruined, lives ruined, um, lives cut short doing one of the few things we can actually still do right now in this pandemic, which is go to the grocery store. Um, One of the people killed was a father of seven. Um, His daughter posted a picture being like, I'm so happy that you were able to walk me down the aisle last year. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, and she's pregnant now, you know, it just, it just, those were, that's one of the few anecdotes I, I caught, um, you know, because it's just, it's kind of unbearable. I mean, kind of, it's fully unbearable to kind of absorb these tragedies like week by week. Um, it's a uniquely American problem. I mean, in, um, Charlotte Clymer pointed out on Twitter that in 2019, the white supremacist who killed 51 people in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, that happened on March 15th. On March 21st, 2019, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern proposed a ban on semi-automatic weapons. On April 10th of that year, the law passed. And since that day, there have been 1,145 mass shootings in the United States. Um, We can't allow Republicans to continue to obstruct progress on this. And if that means, again, like we will probably every week at some point return to getting rid of the filibuster, because that's what it's going to take to get some sort of fucking legislation passed. Mm -hmm. Chuck Grassley, one of the like doddering oldest Republicans in the Senate had said, he tweeted uh, on guns. He said, I hope that we can come up with some bipartisan, some legislation that's bipartisan. And I would point out that he has been he and other Republicans have filibustered the bipartisan mansion to me background check for a decade now. Um, the NRA continues to pay off politicians um, and pulling on gun like gun prevention policies is extremely popular throughout the United States. There is a lot of like very reasonable things that we can do before, you know, your guns don't necessarily have to all be taken away, but another idiotic thing, Senator John Kennedy, um, another fucking asshole Republican Senator um, said yesterday, we have a quote, we have a lot of drunk drivers in America that kill a lot of people. We ought to try and combat that too. The answer is not to get rid of all sober drivers. Now, NYC Southpaw on Twitter says, 
rather aptly, you need a government issued license to operate a car, which requires passing a test to show you can use one safely. And the owner of each car has to register it with the state. You fucking dick. So anyway, I just, there's so much idiocy and apparently in Colorado, and I'm, I don't have this note. I'm sure it's in one of my tabs buried while we're recording. (laughs) Um, but the NRA had actually just uh, sued Colorado to reinstate a law that allowed the purchase of AR-15s. Um, and that had just been, uh, they had just been successful last week and had tweeted about that as a victory. So, and then the, the shooter purchased their gun within the next couple of days after that was passed. It is, I, it is not an exaggeration to say that the NRA has blood on their hands. Lots of blood. Tons, yeah. And I don't like to say that very lightly. I think like getting into hyperbolic language is not sometimes the the right way to go. Mm-hmm. But when you are making it your life's business to make sure that AR-15s are legal and accessible without any real common sense restrictions. And also they should just know it's, it's a weapon of war. There should be, they should not be on the streets. Um, but you're making it your business to make sure that this is something that's accessible to people with prior convictions and people who are mentally unstable. And you are making the world a markedly less safe, more volatile, um, more dangerous place to be. And not, not even the world not, though. You're really just make, it's just America. Let's just, let's focus on what it is. It's a, it's a, it's an us problem. So yeah, this is America. And it's, yeah, what you said about blood on their hands, it's not hyperbole because I mean, it sounds extreme, but their actions are extreme. The situation in this country is extreme. So, you know, extreme language is warranted in extreme situations. Yeah. And I forget which, which, one of the Republican GOP um, in the in Congress, Lauren Boebert, you know, she continues to post pictures with with AR-15s and semi-automatic rifles behind her in pictures. And after this most recent shooting, she posted, you know, they're not going to take our guns away. It's just like, it's really this is such an entrenched and um, uh it feels an intractable problem, but we can reduce these shootings. We just have to keep keep the pressure on the Senate right now because it's come to another fever pitch, I think. We weren't really talking about it a couple of weeks ago, and now we're talking about it a lot. It should be another reason why it should be unavoidable to get rid of the fucking filibuster and pass. We elected you to pass laws. Pass some laws. Yes, please. <laughs> keep the citizens of the country safe, you know, that your duty theoretically is to um, represent and support. Mm -hmm. Please. Please. Mm. Mitch McConnell. God damn it. Every every week we just have to say, fuck Mitch McConnell. We just throw it out there and plenty of others too. Um, But he's the, he's the kingpin. He sets, he sets the tone. He sets the toxicity level at absolutely unbearable. Yeah, King Turtle spelled with a D. Because he's, <laughs> he's a turd. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Just thought of that. Oh, I'm so clever. Oh, it hurts. You're clever. It hurts. You're clever. <laughs> All right. Um, in more depressing 
news. Uh, so we know that there was shootings in Atlanta, um, and we'll get into that more, but I think briefly we want to talk about the history of violence against um, Asian Americans, because I, I think, you know, we most people know about the Japanese internment prisons, but there was a lot, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and it's like we have collective amnesia about it. And honestly, some of the things that I was reading about, I had never been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. And, you know, for my own accountability, I hadn't done the research to to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to go through quickly, just kind of bullet point around a, a dozen things that I thought were particularly impactful. Um, you can share, add on, and, and then we can kind of dive into today. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1854, the U.S. appealed People versus Hall, which ruled that Chinese people and anyone who quote unquote looked Chinese um, mm-hmm. could not testify against white citizens. Uh, the Chinese massacre of 1871, the largest mass lynching in U.S. history, 500 people killed. Um, 500 people participated and killed tens of Chinese people in old Chinatown in Los Angeles. Um, The Page Act of 1875, first restrictive immigration law in the U.S., which prohibited Chinese women entering for, quote unquote, population control. 1879, the Constitution of California prohibited Chinese employment. Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, the first and only law banning immigration of a specific ethnic or national group. Uh, 1885 to 1887, there were a lot of riots and massacres, including in Seattle and Tacoma, where um, in Tacoma, the mayor actually promoted it. And Mm. the mayor and others went to drive out um, Chinese Americans. 1913, alien land law restricted and then banned Asians from owning land. The Immigration Act of 1917 banned immigration from the Asia Pacific Zone except certain professions. The Cable Act of 1922, Asian men and women excluded from citizenship. The Immigration Act of 1924 effectively banned all immigration from Asia. 1927, Loom versus Rice ruled that exclusion by race of Chinese American kids at school did not violate the 14th Amendment. Um, And then in 1927 through 1930, there were anti-Filipino riots. In 1933, Filipinos were ineligible for immigration. Then, and uh, laws were amended so Filipino people could not marry white people. 1934, they limited Filipino immigration to 50 people a year. 1937, banned Filipino people from owning land. Um, And as we know, 1942 to 1945, the Japanese internment camps are more accurately prisons. Um, we're going on where people were given at most six days to sell their houses, sell everything that they owned and uh, forced to go to these prisons. Um, full families, everyone um, with no real reason, just um, hate, fear driven hate, which mm-hmm. is you know, pretty, pretty classic racism. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of those things, I, a lot of those specific um, acts and laws, I didn't, I wasn't aware of, um, you know, and today, of course, we have the increase in anti-Asian hate crimes uh, since the start of the pandemic, because people are, I think part of it is the fear and people ignorantly blaming people of Asian descent for coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. And the Center for Study of Hate and Extremism posted uh, published a report where they documented the changes in hate crime patterns uh, in 2020 in 16 American cities, uh, using that data because the FBI hasn't released 2020 yet. And they found that while overall hate crimes actually reduced by 7%, which they thought was due to 
pandemic and things being shut down, mm-hmm. that um, anti-Asian hate crimes rose by 149% in those mm-hmm. 16 cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a historical problem. It is a now problem. Um, and the shootings, uh, the shootings in Atlanta, um, I believe are a direct reflection of anti-Asian racism in this country and as well as misogyny. Yeah. Yep. It's a pretty great summary. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing an early morning record, which we don't normally do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which would make some people more tired, but I, in my old age, I have more energy in the mornings. (laughs) I know it's, it's a, I know I kind of like this. I like the quiet, the calm. Um, Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to even know where to go from here. Um, one thing that, uh, the actor Daniel Day Kim, he was speaking to Congress this week and he also brought up the fact that, um, in terms of political polls, uh, Asian Americans are deemed statistically insignificant, um, which is like the technical term, but he was like, you know, literally that means we don't matter. Um, there's this sense that there's no need to try to represent us in, in government. There's no need to try to, um, understand what we need. Like there are big efforts with, um, you know, the black and Latinx communities and, and to try to, to try, well, big efforts. I mean, again, like so much work to be done, (laughs) but certainly those populations are not considered quote statistically insignificant. So, um, you know, with 23 million, um, you know, Asian Pacific Islander in this country, um, and it's a fast growing demographic, uh, you know, we should be making sure that there's no group that's statistically insignificant, especially one that has at least 23 million people in the country. Um, And he also pointed to the historic tensions that crop up between different racial minorities and what, you know, we had spoken about briefly or, or, you know, and we'll talk about more, but the idea of a model Asian Americans as being like, quote, the model minority. Um, He said, um, and I thought this was like a really good little point that um, the most successful of us do not represent the totality of us. Um, And that myth is incredibly destructive because for example, one in four um, Asian Americans in New York city live below the poverty line. um, And they have, he has, he said, and I, I I didn't fact check this, but I'm sure he did before he spoke to Congress um, that they actually Asian Americans experience the highest poverty, a higher poverty rate than any other group. So maybe it's highest poverty rate, like in proportion to the population in the U S or mm. some, um, cause that did strike me as like, wow, um, that's a cr- kind of crazy statistic. Um, and also that we just, uh, yeah, that we're, we're sort of turning a blind eye to, to, the humanity, um, of Asian Americans here. And that this is a moment where, which will send a message for generations, which I absolutely think is true. This is just like, is this going to be another bullet point in the history of Asian American violence in this country? Um, I hope not, but it, it really needs to be a moment where we take a stand on, on behalf of, I mean, for, for all Americans, but 
-hmm. we need to stand in solidarity and in support of, of this community. Um, And in the case of this Atlanta shooting specifically, I mean, it's a whole melange of shit here. Um, It's hard to know um, uh, to what degree, although all of them are, you know, all of them seem to be factors, but there's the race, racism, misogyny, and just like white, your average white male terrorism and white male domestic terrorism. Um, The police uh, said, and this is kind of this, this will go down hopefully in history is one of the most <laughs> insensitive um, racist specifically, you know, racist um, comments, but C- Captain Jay Baker of the Cherokee police department, um, when he was reporting this incident out and um, speaking about the shooter who they had in custody and who had confessed to these shootings and um, said that, this is Cap- Captain Jay Baker said, quote, he had a bad day and this is what he did. <laughs> hmm. You know, we've we've all had a lot of bad days. It doesn't give you the right to go off on, you know, racist, sexist shootings. He and in these shootings, he killed us. I think pretty much everyone knows at this point, eight people, including six Asian women. Um, and he claimed sex. He said it was because of sex addiction and he was too tempted by it. And I mean, the dehumanization of those women and the excuses for himself in that are unbelievable. Like the idea that these women were temptations to be removed rather than fully formed human beings, that his life was worth more than these um, eight people Mm -hmm. that he was somehow you know, it was, there were some religious, some religious beliefs behind it. Um, but, and then they, the, the cops, they also saying that it wasn't, that he said, the shooter said that it wasn't uh, a hate crime. I'm sorry. We cannot, mm. we can't someone going, we need to, we need to judge people based off of their actions. Not because I think most of the people, I mean, this is a guess that have committed hate crimes, or at least a lot of them would probably not tell a police officer that they had just committed a hate crime, mm-hmm. um, whether he knows it or not. That's that's what happened. I mean, Asian American women in general, but Asian American women in particular are sexualized and objectified. Um, they're characterized as particularly submissive or weak. Um, I mean, on the flip side, there's that dragon lady stereotype, but this idea that he could just go in and murder these women and that would solve his problem. Um, I mean, it's, I want to say unbelievable, but this is the country we live in. This is the time we live in. It's, it's very uh, believable. Yeah. And his idea, the, the idea that someone would think that this isn't a hate crime and um, would move through the world um, thinking that this is justifiable in any way through their religious beliefs, through God, you know, um, through some interpretation of Bible verse. Um, you can directly link that to leadership in this country, endorsing that, that perspective, um, endorsing the perspective that, uh, you know, you have a right to carry this, uh, these weapons of mass destruction. I mean, they're these absolutely horrific weapons of war, um, without much interrogation, without a background check, without, um, 
a waiting period or any uh, any other um, without registering it with the state. Um, and then beyond that, that there was there has been over the last four or five years. And again, you can link this to Trump. You can you you can directly link the fact that he endorsed calling it the China virus, calling it Kung flu, calling it all these, you know, continuing to blame Chinese, you know, Chinese Americans specifically, but just the the uptick in 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 hate crimes, you can link to this and and this need to scapegoat on the part of the American government um, that trickles down to a lot of ignorant people who take what Trump says as as gospel, really. I mean, look at January 6th. But this is, I mean, and it, it's not just Trump. I mean, there are people like Meghan McCain, who had also said on The View earlier this year um, that she had no problem calling it China virus. And and a lot of GOP senators, again, also kind of gleefully are like, well, it came from China. Now, there is a difference between saying this is the Wuhan strain, you know, or the, you know, the strain that originated in Wuhan or the strain that originated in China. Language, being specific in your language matters. We, we, we can speak truthfully about like, okay, this, this is the variant that sprung up in Brazil. This is, you know, but, mm-hmm. but if the original strain was from a meat, uh, you know, a wet market in Wuhan and you're stating that, you know, that is, that is okay. That is, we're not trying to, it's not like you're, we can speak factually about the origin of the vi- virus, but calling it the China virus, calling it, you know, using it to drum up this like age old racist sentiment um, and foment fear and 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 race divisions, racial tensions um, is the height of irresponsible. It's the it's the absolute opposite of, of what this country what I, what I think this country stands for, which we should be standing for. Um, and it's yet another tragic, um, offshoot of, of Trumpism that we're going, we're going to be dealing with for a very, very long time is this, this dehumanizing of a whole population of people, um, scape, the scapegoating, you know, it's 2021. I cannot believe, I, I cannot believe that we had, have leaders, you know, in the Senate now and in Congress, like a lot, lots of ignorant people, but that we have had a president who was the head of this, um, who, who, who led this, this charge towards making our country a more toxic, racially tense, dangerous place to be. Yeah. And the, um, the sheriff, Jay Baker, who talked about how the shooter had a bad day, um, also in March and April last year, had posted on Facebook um, photos of T-shirts that had um, that had like COVID-19 and said that it's an imported virus from China, spelled capital C-H-Y-N-A, mm. um, with a biohazard symbol. So... 
glad that this guy is <laughs> this guy is the mouthpiece. Um, we have documented uh, evidence of, at the very least, racial insensitivity. Yeah. Uh, we have him minimizing the um, the attacker's accountability and his role by saying he had a bad day, humanizing him rather than the victims. Um, and one of the so one of the people who died. Um, a white, uh, one of the women who died wasn't an Asian woman, but she was there for a massage. Um, her husband was there and he um, he's Latinx, Latino, and he was held. She died. She was she was killed. He was in a different room. Um, he was held for four hours, handcuffed so tight that he he showed that his um, his injuries on his wrists um, and he was held and questioned allegedly even after they had the suspect in custody who had confessed. Um, so just another layer of, of racism and concerning behavior by this, um, this police department. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had been a white man there, I can't imagine they would have uh, treated him that way. They would have probably yeah. comforted him, um, assumed innocence rather than guilty until proven innocent if you are a person of color. hmm it's just, yeah. and he did, uh, he deleted, he deleted the, his entire Facebook page after that came out, but, uh, mm. the internet doesn't forget. <laughs> no, no, we don't. And it's important to, to call that out because it's, <sighs> yeah, yes. you can, you, you cannot misspeak like that. And it's, it's so, um, and it's not misspeaking when it's just, I mean, obviously driven from, from a sense of relate relating to the killer. And wanting yeah. everyone to understand he had a bad day. It, yeah. No. 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 He went to different locations with his gun, premeditated. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it was not premeditated, which it was, like he still murdered people. Yeah. Bad day. Yeah. Maybe on a bad day, you snap at somebody, you know, but you don't mm-hmm. murder a bunch of women because you're having a bad day. It's just the the need for so many people to humanize the perpetrators of violence when they are white and dehumanize the the victims when they are not is just, I mean, it's appalling. It's disgusting. Um, and I, America 2021, we need some, we need some fucking reckonings. Yeah. And you know, another speaking of reckoning, it's, it's, one thing that we can also look at, look, look at, excuse me, is uh, thinking about changing the laws so that we can, there's a broader understanding of what legally can qualify as a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Um, this was sort of focused on in one of the New York Times daily, the, the daily from last week where they were, they were talking about this gray area when it comes to a, you know, proving that something is a hate crime and how the, the burden of proof for determining how race played a role um, from a legal perspective, you have to prove like, could, you know, you have to answer the question, could this have happened to anyone? Um, and because there are, and this is an especially hard thing for um, Asian Americans experiencing hate crimes because, for instance, there aren't widely recognized imagery or symbols that 
recall a history of violence, recall sort of a, a an, you know, an, an instant recognition that something is um, racist or, um, you know, anti-Semitic, for instance, like a noose or a swastika. Um, the legal framework in this country for hate crimes just doesn't align with the types of hate crimes that Asian Americans experience. Um, and it's important that we have a categorization for hate crimes so that we can validate um, communities so they don't feel paranoid or gaslit to say that there's something going on that is violent or abusive that is specific to your race is to help a community get a handle, you know, to, to be, to be, to help just differentiate um, violence um, and, and, to say that this is not a, um, you know, a run of the mill violent act. This is something that was based on, based on hatred of, of a race or religion. Um, and to take that seriously so that you're able to identify, okay, do we have, do we have an issue in this country? Which like, I would say for probably almost every, I guess every minority group in this country, we, I'm, you know, we have a problem, Houston, we have a problem. We have problems with hate crimes. Um, and while there's not complete data from 2020 yet, and there is um, some advocacy groups would say that in, in New York City, like there was in 2019, three reported hate crimes specifically against Asian Americans in 2020, looks like the number is at least 28. And that's like mm-hmm. reported to the police hate crimes in New York City. Um and in Oakland and the Bay Area, I mean, these stories are harrowing. And if I were there, I wouldn't want, you know, I wouldn't want my grandparents or my parents mm-hmm. to be walking around. I mean, people getting slashed in the face, robbed and killed. An 89-year-old woman set on fire, a professional jazz pianist beaten so badly he can no, no longer play piano. Um, this is this is horrendous. These are horrendous acts of violence. Um, and many of them directed against el- like the elderly, which is another mm-hmm. layer. Um, so, I mean, wh- how can we rethink hate crime laws? How mm-hmm. can we rethink, you know, in, in Atlanta, it seems like the police are now one of their, one of their solutions. Again, I've, I've done a lot of air quotes today that I haven't let everyone know, but (laughs) there's been some air quotes. One of their solutions is adding more police to patrol area, you know, higher populations of Asian Americans in the Atlanta area. And it's like, Mm -mm. uh, that is not, that's not a fix, especially when you're, you're Captain Jay Baker's like at the head of this group going, you had a bad day. No, I don't want those people. That's not the fix. No, we need to fix the system because I mean, it's not even that the system is broken. The system is working as it was designed, you know, with the load bearing wall of white supremacy. And Mm -hmm. we need to reimagine the system. Mm -hmm. We don't need to add more (laughs) components of the system in there. It's yeah. And there's like you were saying, there's a particular, particularly high rate, it seems in um, in the Bay Area in California, particularly against women, against elderly people. Um, you know, my sister-in-law is Asian American. My niece is, you know, is half Asian American. Um, with these old laws, she would have counted as, as fully, and they live in San Jose, and I worry about them. Um, and it's, 
you know, this weekend, even this past weekend, at least five people in Manhattan were assaulted Asian Americans um, between Friday and Sunday. Two victims were elderly men who were punched in the head and face, one in critical condition. A woman on the Lower East Side was hit in the face with a metal pipe. Another woman was thrown to the ground. And a 37-year-old woman who was walking with her daughter to an anti-hate protest was punched in the face, um, had her sign stomped on. This was this past weekend. Um, I mean, literally a woman walking with her daughter to an anti-hate, anti-hate protest um, mm. regarding violence against Asian Americans. Um, mm. And yet people still want to act like there is not a problem, like there, there can't be racism against Asians in this country because there's the model minority myth, like you mentioned, um, this idea that Asian Americans are a monolithic group. They're successful and good at math and submissive and they don't need any help, you know, which creates barriers to access. And like you said, there are... Um, this isn't true. Asian Americans are not a monolith. There is racism against them. Um, and it's, it's important that we, you know, we, we look at that and we see that for what it is. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it, it, we have to be, and our laws have to be smart enough to understand more complexity and more gray area and recognize just because there isn't a slur, just because um, family members of the perpetrator might say, oh, well, he's never expressed anti-Asian sentiment, um, you know, or, oh, there's no evidence that he, you know, like the Atlanta shooter clearly saw those women as mm -hmm. sexual objects, Mm -hmm. you know, like, And that we haven't even, I mean, that is a whole, that's, that's a whole lot to wrap your head around too. I mean, the, like trying to prevent himself from being tempted. Oh my God. I mean, just the, you know, it's either you're, you want to prevent yourself from being tempted or you're pissed because no one's having sex with you. And it's like more of an incel situation. Like, but either way you are ruining you're ending women's lives this this is this is this is widespread violence and terrorism against innocent women who were going about their day working trying not to <laughs> a cat has made an appearance a cat has made an appearance um so yeah but they're going about their day and you and and their work um where they're already probably degraded the level of of violence that um, is being experienced by these women is, is by white men, you know, who, who somehow feel entitled is harrowing. And I think part of the reason it's so depressing is it just, you look towards law, like towards who we've, our elected officials, you look towards law enforcement and they continue to come up short. They continue to make excuses, um, and to, somehow cast themselves as the villains somehow it's like a war on assault rifles from the like liberal snowflake left it's like hey wait a second these assault rifles are weapons of war that are killing people women children people going to the grocery store we are not this is we are reacting to First of all, a toxic culture of violence that has been fan, the fans of which have been flamed by you, you know, your constituency and um, fueled by a lack of 
lack of good education, lack of access to good infrastructure where people can actually travel to other cities and places and towns and meet other people. And, you know, we're, we're somehow in a world that should be becoming more connected um, and more globalized. We're becoming more siloed and ignorant and um, critical infrastructure in cities and towns are totally underfunded. Um, It is, that is, I mean, what, what, what we, what I think liberal minded people and liberal inclined people are wanting is like a, a comprehensive rethinking, like you said, a reimagining of, of all of the ways in which the, the government at the federal and at the state level will, will help people, will lift them up, will protect people, will make this a place where violence is not tolerated or excused at any level. And a place where with better education and with better access, this doesn't happen as much. This shouldn't happen. It, it can, it, there, it, we've seen in other places, it doesn't need to happen like this. So that's what we want. Yeah, that's, that's what we want. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be living in a place where it is easy for someone who is an, hateful person to end the lives, take out the lights of, you know, multiple people who are just doing their jobs, who are, you know, either working at the salon, who are, you know, shopping at the grocery store. Um, It's just, we, we have such a problem with gun violence. We have such a problem with racism. We have such a problem with misogyny. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is beyond disheartening to see it continuously play out like this. Um, so yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll be watching the Senate and hoping for some actual fucking change. Yeah. It's beyond time. All right. Uh, awkward segue to a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and one, I mean, one good thing that we weren't planning as a good thing, but just that, um, there it's, it's, I don't know what the word is like interesting is the wrong word, but just that there's all this, there's this spate of Asian American violence um, or violence against Asian Americans kind of, as we also see um, there are, there's progress again, quote unquote, because it's pathetic with the Academy Awards, but like um, with Minari um, being, getting, a fair amount of recognition in terms of nominations, um, best picture and, um, best director, Lee Isaac Chun and screenplay. Um, but also, um, best actor and best supporting actress. Um, and as, and I think this is the first Asian American actor to be nominated or, um, ever depressingly. Um, and, Anyway, it's just and it, the movie itself is so poignant and it's a story about the American dream. Um, but of course, not without controversy, not without like, is this a foreign film? It's like, no, it's not. It takes place in Arkansas just because there are Korean subtitles, because it's like the the whole movie is about is, is like this is an exploration of the American dream in a very poignant, beautiful way. And um it's like, of course, you know, we're like, is it a foreign film? 
like, no, it isn't. <laughs> um, you know, it takes place in Arkansas. There's, you know, a fair amount of it is in English, but anyway. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting, like this is, it's, it's, there's a lot to be, to be thinking about in terms of a good thing. Um, Students who were defrauded by for-profit colleges will have their federal school loans eliminated. Um, that's a new, new announcement from the Education Department, and this will eliminate one billion dollars in student debt for seventy-two thousand borrowers. Um, so that's that's really hopeful, um, and it's a nice little fuck you to Betsy DeVos. <laughs> yeah, um, seeing the education department actually do things to help students go fucking figure, mm-hmm. especially ones that were explicitly defrauded by a yeah. for-profit institution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think perhaps this is a good sign. Um, my dad was saying yesterday, he thinks, cause I'm, I think Biden had put together a, com- like a task force to evaluate mm-hmm. what he could do to eliminate or to assist with student loan debt. I mean, he's been pretty upfront that like, I'm not eliminating student loan debt or $50,000. Like, no. Yeah. And again, I Which made would him, have been nice, but <laughs> would have been nice. Wasn't expecting it. But I also then when like Warren and Schumer were like, he could, I thought, Ooh, mm-hmm. is he gonna please oh, Warren? Oh, <laughs> I, I know her. I miss her all the time. Um, but one thing that perhaps might happen that might, you know, I, I would love to keep this hope alive in my heart is um, my dad thinks that after the task force and maybe like towards the end of this year, after we've gotten the pandemic under control, um, he might eliminate $10,000 or something like that. Basically as we're going into a prime, you know, the, uh, the primaries for 2022 and midterms uh, to give kind of people a bump um, and an enthusiasm to help, mm-hmm. um, which is both hopeful and cynical a little bit, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's a mixed bag. But it's we'll a mixed take bag. It. Right. I'm not, I, either way. I'm as since student loans are paused, I am not paying them until I absolutely have to in the hopes that maybe a little bit of it's like just taken away. Yes. Fingies. Cr- I know minor, minor, I paid mine <laughs> off, which is, you know, but I'm hoping that this will pass because, you know, just because I'm not, in a situation where I'm struggling with a particular thing doesn't mean that I don't have empathy for others. And think <laughs> that legislation should pass to assist those who'd have thunk it. I'm not oh, Republican. <laughs> That's weird. You don't yeah. think that cause you, cause you struggled everyone to pay them off. Everyone else should too. You don't think that that's I know, it's a healthy bizarre. way. To... <laughs> I know it's like this empathy thing that I have. That's just really, uh, really oh. awful. I'm just such a little puss, you know? <laughs> Uh, sometimes the empathy is a lot though. I mean, we, that's part of why this week's been hard. It's just constant heartbreak. Oh, and all speaking yeah. of that, just last little thing in case, even though we we're going to end on a good thing, in yeah, case let's anyone end on something to, heartbreaking. Let's Go end ahead. on something like in case you guys are looking for just full body crying situation, um, which I wasn't, but it happened anyway. And now I'm going to just tell everyone about it is there's a Oscar nominated short on Netflix called if, um, if anything happens, I love you, which is, um, an animated 12 minute film, basically following two parent grieving parents after their daughter was killed in a school shooting. Um, and it's just like really beautiful and awful. And like, it just, as if we needed another 
anecdote to this this week to hit home that like each one of these events ruins untold numbers of lives, but makes them like makes life not worth living for other people. This is um, this is that, and maybe. I think in some ways it did help to just cry it out to a film that mm-hmm. kind of puts everything all encapsulates the whole, the whole thing. So um, it's, it's 12 minutes. It's, you will cry um, in, in case anything happens. I love you. Yeah. Not a good thing, but you know, but a beautiful work of art. Yeah. All right. Well, have a, have a good week out there, I guess, everyone. And um, <laughs> if you see or hear any racist um, words or actions, speak up and speak out. And I mean, that's the bare minimum we can do. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.